Hello, hello, and welcome to My Tennis Journey, where we aim to bring compelling tennis stories to life. As you're listening today, it'd be amazing if you could hit subscribe or follow. It's free, you know. So you might not be aware, but we are currently in the midst of the LTA Junior Nationals. These are singles and doubles competitions for 16 and under and 18 and under girls and boys. You might not be aware, but I think you should be aware. And I think your tennis playing children or pupils should be aware too. Today's guest is the tournament director of the LTA Junior Nationals. And together, we'd like to put forward the case on why the LTA Junior Nationals is worthy of your attention. So welcome to the show, Richard Joyner. Hey, Rob. To, to start with, please, can you just give us an intro to what the LTA Junior Nationals are and why they are important? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Junior Nationals, they, they're the pinnacle of domestic competition in this in this country. I think there's an element, whatever the sport is, to actually working towards something that, you know, for a national championships to get into the national championships and then do well in them. And obviously those that are crowned, you know, the national champions, it is quite an accolade that shouldn't be sort of underestimated. Um, I mean, it's a long, long while ago when I was actually a junior, but I can remember as a 13, 14 year old. OK, my one of my uh, um, uh, desires to get into the national championships, one, because of getting into them. But secondly, I knew that if I got in, there was an offer of a racket contract at the other end. So I was delighted when I first got in as a 14 year old to do that. But I mean, that's perhaps not the right reason. But anyway, you know what I mean? OK, so uh, <laughs> but I think, it, you know, it, it is something it's not, you know, to actually achieve the status of playing in a national level competition is one thing in itself. And then to go on and do well in it is then another step altogether as well. It is amazing, isn't it? You know, that like, like our, our son Ned, he's, he's, he recently took part in a grade two, which is a, a national competition. And regardless of where Ned's tennis journey or anyone who's made it through to that level, and if you've made it through to that level, you've committed an awful lot. And that can never be taken away, the fact that you've, you know, you've competed at a, at a national level you know yeah. I know that it, it's something that you know I was a county player I would take part in regional competitions I never made it to a, a national yeah. competition yeah. and and that's 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 kind of one of the things I guess that people need to know is that if people have made it to the 16 and under or 18 and under qualies or main draw they've done incredibly well they are incredibly good tennis players aren't they yes no absolutely okay and as, as, as i say i mean it's not just in the sport of tennis but to actually be able to sort of say you competed at a national level in in in, in any competition is something you should be proud of and is something as you quite rightly say rob is something you've had to work quite hard towards it's not just going to happen that's the truth it's not just going to happen then i mean from the lta's point of view have the junior nationals been going for for some time you know have yeah. we got a a glittering alumni of British players who've yeah. taken part in them. There is. I mean, on the, the there's some there's some silverware that sort of sits uh, sits here. And if you look back on the engraving for the eighteen and unders, the very first event was in nineteen oh eight. Okay, so you know, for the eighteen unders, I mean, without doing the maths, it is obviously well over a hundred years ago that all the top Brits have competed over the years. I mean, if you look at sort of more. Recent past winners, you've got Dan Evans, Heather Watson, Tim Henman, Harriet Dart, Andy Murray, Carl Edmund, Sue Barker, 
Yeah, Annabelle Croft, Joe Jury plays. It's quite, I mean, for, for people that are really into their history of tennis, you could sit and look at those trophies for quite some time, just going through the names and everything. Isn't that amazing? 1908, you know, if you if you go on and win that, then your name's there forever, isn't it? And yeah. the interesting thing is that is for every winner, there's also all the stories of the people who've competed against them. Yes, so we absolutely. know that around this country at this point, you know, there's somebody that says, well, you know, I played against Sue Barker in yeah. the nationals and, and this, you know, and so, so the, that, that really, I think underlines the accomplishment and who knows who's going to make it through from, from the, the, the current batch, but there's going to yeah. be an awful lot of stories that, that come along with yeah. it. Um, I mean, it's, um, it's, I think it would be just amazing just to hear your top three reasons, Richard, you know, as to why you think the LTA Junior Nationals should be on the radar of tennis parents, juniors, coaches, you know, because it's, it's, it's a tournament that I, I believe deserves a higher profile. So can we go through your reasons yeah. as tournament director why it deserves a higher profile? Yeah, I mean, firstly, I mean, we've worked worked hard over the last few years to increase the the, the profile of the 16s and 18s. Okay, and there's a few things that have changed with that in terms of the the timing in the year that it is. Okay, and also there's a, a partnership we have with the All England Club, which we could we'll perhaps touch on later in terms of some of the sort of prizes at the end of the day. Okay, but I think that I think number one reason is actually to uh, in terms of watching and is to see the best competing against the best okay i mean in the 18 and under event we've got all top 20 players boys all top 20 players in the girls competing and it really genuinely is quite an open draw and it's going to be intriguing but it, what it will be is players competing against each other at the highest level domestically and who knows who may come on top so so as a result i think point number 1 rob would be that sort of competing you know competing against the uh, the best i think the point number 2 would be a chance to to see the levels at which these players play at which may help juniors parents coaches alike in terms of what the next stages of their pupil or child or as a player uh, is actually working to so by being able to watch that against best v best i think that gives uh, that uh, that that sort of opportunity to see that and then as a as a third point hopefully then something to aspire to in terms of i think you know whatever sport we're playing and i played a number you know i played a number but tennis and football were my two two main ones is the fact that there's always things that you saw that then aspired you to then try and get to that level if if you could okay and at the end of the day it is about sort of that challenge not everyone's going to be able to get to a national level not everyone's going to be able to be a pro tennis player but at the same time aspiring you towards working hard day in day out to actually sort of be as good as you can be i think there's three great reasons and i think the the sort of relationship or the it's sort of the thought of football and 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 the fact that at the junior age groups in football you know there really is a focus and it's not as you know high profile as the professional game but uh, under 15 under 16 under 17 etc you know there are there's uh, there, there is 
a lot of competition and there's an awareness of what's going on in those age groups. I know I went to the under under 17 World Cup, you know, and it was really interesting to see the level, to see the the players who were coming through, to see the best competing against the best. And, and that is, I think, from the related world of football, why these tournaments deserve to have the higher profile with the, the parents, with the players, with the coaches, because it is the best in our country. And, and I think that that, that, I think that deserves support in a way, you know, like I'm guessing that we've got players in the 16s draw or the 18s draw from, well, I'm I'm guessing that every region is represented and that a lot of counties are represented. Is that right? Absolutely. I was doing something last night, actually, in terms of feeding some of the stuff in for the 16s. Okay, into into the uh, tennis ticker system that we use. Okay, and, we, and you were putting the counties in. You sort of thought, oh, I've not come across that county yet, and then needed to say, bang, that came up to actually feed that one in. So, I mean, whilst I'm not, I've not been enough of an anorak to check whether every single county is represented, but certainly there's a, a large number of counties that are that are represented. And I think this it's always like it's always fascinating again, to the related world of football. And I think it's inevitable to make the comparisons because of the high profile that football has. But if you have, you know, um, Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, Tottenham Academies, you've probably got 50 players there. And if you make this draw, you are in, you know, well, what are you, in the top 32? In 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 effect, you'd be top 44. Top 44. So you make the draw, you're in the top 44. That is the equivalent of playing for one of the big teams, academies. You have done remarkably well. This deserves to be celebrated. It deserves to be celebrated on a national level. It definitely deserves to be celebrated on a local level. You know, I was looking through the draws and, and seeing that, you know, if Derbyshire are represented, and it's brilliant to see that Derbyshire are represented. So, yeah, come on. Um, and there's, yeah, quite a number, there's quite a number of Derbyshire players that over the years have won, have won national titles as well. Yeah. And if you go on and win a national title, I mean, that's incredible. It, it, it really is, isn't it? And I know it's... Um, I know, I know you, you, you mentioned that there's the tie-up with Wimbledon and it is another reason. And, and it's kind of like when we chatted about this, for, from the player's perspective, they're going to focus on playing the player. They're going to focus on match by match. They're not going to be thinking about the things that come with uh, an LTA Junior National Final or, or victory. Um, but there is some amazing opportunities that await those people isn't there uh you know to keep going game by you know match by match is important but you know there's some great opportunities also yeah so there is the the tie-up with the the all england club you know what 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 does the weight the winners and the finalists in terms of what they can expect yes well well, i mean this is something that we've we're in the third year of this uh we were meant to do it in 2020 but covid meant that the we weren't able to play at all so the the winners of the 18 under boys and girls singles do actually uh, end up um uh getting a wild card into wimbledon qualifying itself Okay, which actually is quite a nice with us playing at the National Tennis Centre is quite a nice sort of synergy because that is played on the grass courts, just literally the other side of the fence from the courts that we'll be playing on uh, for the uh, uh, for the national. So so that that is obviously for the 18 under boys and girls singles winner, quite a big 
uh, quite a quite a big prize, which uh, obviously is a fantastic experience. And we're into our third year of that. And I know the players that won in 2021 and 2022 have really benefited from that experience and it's helped them with their development. Yeah, and it, as, as we've said, you know, it's not something that those players who are lining up in that draw are going to be thinking about. It's a, it's a subplot. But I think in terms of the awareness with with parents, with juniors around the country, with, with coaches, I think it is important because it shows just the stature of the event and what can await players who succeed in it. So, yeah, I mean, it's incredibly exciting in that respect, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. And it's really, it's really sort of made, you know, sort of up to the, you know, up to the uh, prestige of the 16, 18 unders with, with those sort of opportunities that, uh, that exist, which is fantastic. And is then reflected now in the, uh, in the entry list that we're getting in terms of all the players um, entering and competing. Brilliant. Come on. Now I know there'll be parents and players out there um, that, that, that the players have competed in grade threes, grade twos. They might even have, competed in grade ones at the lower age groups but is that the the pathway that all the players who are competing in the the 16 and under 18 and under draw in the junior nationals have taken yes i think so i mean obviously you know players development is step by step and there's you know some would have accelerated through some of the stages quicker some would have taken longer but ultimately all of the players competing would have actually sort of come up through playing the different levels of events to actually get to the level that they're playing at now. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a really interesting point. I mean, in, in you know, as a coach, I know that uh, players start their tennis journeys at different times. I know that players accelerate or decelerate their tennis journeys at different times, dependent on so many factors, you know, what other sports they're doing, what uh, academic stuff they've got going on. But in your experience, have have all the players who are, who are in the draws in the coming weeks, have they all played at a high level since an, a really early age? Or do some of the players come through later you know in their their early to mid-teens yeah I mean no for sure I mean players do develop and progress at, at different rates and uh, and at different stages I mean a lot of the players playing would have actually if you looked at sort of draws of national level events sort of at 10 and under and 12 and under would be uh would have been sitting in those but certainly not all okay and it's one of those it's one of those areas that you know people do develop at, at different rates i mean as a as a 13 year old i was a much better footballer than i was as a footballer when i was 18 year old okay as a 13 year old tennis player i was a much better tennis player age 18 than i was at 13 you know what i mean so i had two elements that sort of went in opposite directions okay but uh, but uh, i think uh, you know it's, it, you can see that with a number of players that say come back from american university and such have you i mean cam norrie is a great example and paul Chubb and people like that okay who uh, who 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 you wouldn't necessarily have you know at the age of whilst they were good players wouldn't have necessarily seen them getting to the level that they that they are at now which is uh, you know which, which shows the different rates and uh, what have you and there's also players rob who for whatever reason might might have been very very good at a young age who for whatever reason um don't don't progress so and that then sort of creates opportunities for others so i think there's a bit of a mix although certainly if you've played from an early age at a high level that that perhaps you know can can go you know can go a long way to helping you i think it's uh i think the the points on cam nori and paul job are such good ones though because for any juniors who are you know 14 15 16 
and they're listening to this and thinking, I wish I had this opportunity. Then if you do, you know, don't think that that opportunity is gone. Yeah. There are players who who come through later, work hard, train hard, want it, you know, have a good attitude, all these things, and yeah. uh, and you can do it. So, I yeah, mean, brilliant also, to I hear mean, that. A great, also, Rob, a great example on the women's side is what Alicia Barnett and Olivia Nichols have done in the last 12 months, okay? I mean, Alicia went to American University. Olivia went to a British university, okay? They're in their 20s now and, and actually sort of, in, you know, inside the top 100 in the world, we saw what they did in the Billie Jean King Cup and how how great a pair they are. And that's, you know, another good example on the on the female side as well. That's an absolutely brilliant example. And it's an example that just makes me smile and, and happy at the fact that, you know, this journey can be accelerated at different times. And it's wonderful to see what they've achieved, isn't it? And it'll be, I mean, and exciting chapters, exciting adventures ahead. So, uh, yeah, another really good example. Um, if, I mean, you know, we're, we're hoping that this podcast will do its little bit to to raise the profile of the the the, the events um, if people do want to follow it you know is it is it how do they go about following what's happening in the LTA junior nationals yeah i mean there's there's a, a, a on the LTA website in the uh, in the news section there'll be two links that we'll have sitting there one will be a link to the live scoring which will actually give game by game updates for all of the matches that are being played and then we're also looking at doing some live streaming for main draw okay and they those both of those areas will be sitting in the on the LTA website in the news section with links to click on to to watch at uh, watch at your leisure i think uh I'll put um I'll make sure we put those links on. I think the, the and and this by the way when when live streaming and people listening will know that there's different qualities of live streaming, you know, there's there's slightly dodgy cameras where slightly dodgy angles where you can't see anything. But the one um, from last year's LTA Junior Nationals, it was a really high quality feed where it's like watching a match on the television. Mm. And so you know, juniors, parents, you know, watch, watch these games, see those levels that Richard's talking about, see what you can aspire to, see, you know, how these best juniors in our country are performing. And I think I'm right in saying that for some matches, there was even commentary, wasn't there? That's on the live absolutely, stream? Rob. Yeah, so I was just going to say, so for the singles finals days, we've got... Um, uh, we've got commentary with uh, with a very experienced commentator uh, doing that for us. And one little thing we did do last year is uh, the 1600 and 1800 National Junior Championship champion in 2021 was Eva Shaw, okay, who unfortunately, and she's back playing now, but was out for a good year plus with a with an injury. So for last year's 18 and under final, Eva came in and actually was co-commentator to actually do that final, which was quite nice for Eva because she'd been out of tennis for so long. But it was just quite nice for the for the listeners and the viewers and everything because Eva was able to give a bit of perspective in terms of her experience playing that final the previous year and uh, going on to to win it and then go and play Wimbledon qualifying. Brilliant. And you know that's a great example of like the journeys that tennis can take you on that aren't just tennis, you know, and and not every tennis player can go on and become a tennis professional, but there's no doubt that the doors that tennis opens as a result of being a tennis player, no matter what level you are, it opens a lot of doors, doesn't it? 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, you, I mean, you, you see people working in tennis who have come to it from different from different aspects. There's, you know, there's there's a number of careers and increasingly careers out there in the in the tennis sector for people that you know who 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 have sort of lived and breathed tennis. But you know, not everyone's going to become a professional tennis player, and also not everyone can maintain being a tennis professional tennis player. They are so. There's lots of opportunities out there, and that that's all something like commentary is another one of those. Yeah, come on. Now, on the podcast, we've had a number of episodes which uh, contain tips for tennis parents. And you must have come across, Richard, thousands of tennis parents at a wide range of tournaments over the years. From a tournament director's perspective, what would your top tip be for a tennis parent? Okay, yeah. I mean, I don't want to sound too philosophical here, here, Rob, but uh, but I am probably going to sound too philosophical. Is in fact, I mean, with my co- with my ex coach's hat on as well. I think my top tips really are uh, to be supportive, to treat everyone around the tournament with respect, including the opponents. Okay, and to treat each tournament and each match as an opportunity to develop and improve. Okay, I mean, at the end of the day, if there's two people playing singles. There's only one of those people that can actually win the match. If there's 32 people in the in the in, in a draw, okay, there's only one of those 32 that can actually ultimately win the title. Okay, but uh, you know, again, without sounding too philosophical, to sort of use each match and each tournament as an opportunity to learn, to develop, to improve, and see the see the see the bigger picture. That sits in there. But I think, you know, it, with those three things being supportive, treat everyone with respect and going through, you know, seeing each as an opportunity. For me, I think that's without, again, without sounding too philosophical, you know, I think that they're important attributes. I think being at a tennis tournament makes you philosophical because you see so many things that it makes you think about things, mm-hmm. doesn't it? And And I think that the respect for everyone at the tournament, the fact that at the you know if you've got a draw of 32 you're going to have 31 uh in speech commas losers on the day you know it, it is such a it can be a challenging environment but it can be such an amazing environment because if you learn to lose on a tennis court when in life things don't go your way yeah you can go again you know if you lose a match you've got another match go again yeah. something goes wrong at work go again something doesn't go your way you know in life go again and that's where i just think that the 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 sort of things you've talked about if you can learn those lessons and if you can take that approach to tennis it's going to help with your approach to life isn't it yeah i think so because there's that philosophy that sort of sits out there that sort of that uh, you can often learn more from from your setbacks and your losses than you can from 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 your wins and uh, there's something to be certainly something to be said for that yeah come on Come on. Last couple of questions. Um, what do you enjoy most about the LTA Junior Nationals and, and what do you find the most challenging? OK, um, I think I mean, firstly, I just love organising tennis events. I mean, having having sort of been around them, playing them and and then as a coach and then as a sort of facility manager and stuff, I just have always loved events and I love organising events. So I think that's my top line in terms of the nationals, junior nationals in, in, in particular. It's an opportunity to see the best juniors competing against each other and seeing how ultimately that pans out. Because as I say, genuinely, I think both draws okay are, are very open because there's a very good crop of players that are that are that are coming through for that i think in challenge okay we are well literally we're sort of into the early part of april um we are in great britain 
and we have a climate <laughs> that is a bit unpredictable. And uh, I think the forecast at the moment is, is is exactly that over the certainly over the first week for us. So I, think, I mean, whilst we can't do anything about the weather, we can't change the weather. Okay, that probably once we move into the outdoor season, which we are here, okay, is probably the biggest challenge. Mate, I hear you. I'm laughing, but I should be crying. I'm looking out the window now and I can see blue sky and I can see rain coming down. And it's like, oh, it's like, you know, as a tennis coach, it's like, yeah. I don't know whether to call off sessions. I don't know whether sessions should go ahead. And it's just so hard to say. And I'm guessing for you, like from a weather point of view, are you, are you hoping for like dry days early in the yeah. tournament? Because I'm guessing that's when the biggest volume of matches Will yeah, take place. exactly. I mean, I mean, fortunately, I mean, with us playing at the National Tennis Centre, we have got the option of indoor courts as backup. But at the end of the day, Rob, it yeah. is it is an outdoor event, and it is you know we want to play outdoors as much as we can. Okay, obviously there clearly comes a time where you have to make a decision about potentially moving indoors. Okay, but um, uh, we'll uh, I think we'll just see how that uh, we'll just see how that pans out, and uh, in terms of uh, how the weather does us, we're not we're not in a, a nice climate Mediterranean climate where we guaranteed it's not going to rain for the next thirty days. I don't think Britain can ever be in that scenario. You know, Richard, I'm sure like people are going to agree with you in all sorts of things through this podcast, but I reckon you'll have universal acceptance to the fact that the biggest challenge for British tennis is the weather at times. Come on, the sun. Come on. Well, Rob, for yourself, hey, coming from Cumbria, that's probably even more of a challenge, isn't that? One of the wettest places in Britain, I think, uh, around. Oh man, I mean, yeah, it it was it was rain, it was snow, it was my mum sitting by the courtside with a flask just to try and keep warm with a hot water bottle. Uh, I mean, we used to play in the in like almost monsoon conditions with the heaviest, soggiest tennis balls in the world. But do you know what? I still come away and I I, I love my junior journey and I love playing tennis. And, and the other thing is, it's like when we do get out and we play in the rain, it can be joyful times. It's just the uncertainty that it brings. But onwards onwards come on um i've got i've got to slip one in for my my son i said to my son stanley who's 13 i said i was chatting to your good self and i said what question uh would you bring for richard stanley and uh stanley says is it is it please would it be possible to make the number of players who compete in the lta junior nationals bigger so a bigger field i'm guessing he hope he might make it then is is that something you think you could sort Okay, well, I think a message for Stan. I mean, at the moment, we currently, as I said earlier, we've got 44 boys competing, 44 girls, okay, which, uh, you know, which which is, a, I appreciate it. it's not a massive number, at the same time, it's sort of a decent number, okay. It is sort of getting a balance of numbers against, you know, the schedule and, and, and everything else. But at the end of the day, you never say never, okay. We're always looking at ways of improving competitions. And if part of that is seen to, to increase the number from 44 boys, 44 girls, that's something we'd certainly sort of uh, take on board if, uh, you know, at the right time. Well, I think the message for Stanley and for any of the other players or parents who are out there is, Keep working on your game. Keep working on your gameplay. Keep working on all those things. And you never know. Just as we've seen, players come through at all sorts of different times. So, yeah, focus on your journey and just keep on keeping on. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been it's been great to hear all about the 
the LTA Junior Nationals. Um, I'm sure the profile of the tournament is just going to keep growing and growing. And certainly let's hope we can do our little bit. But finally, it's a, a regular question we ask guests and it'd be great to hear you, your your thoughts on this one. But if you could go for a drink with anyone alive or dead, who would it be and why? Whoa. I think I need a caveat here in case my wife is listening to uh, this, uh, this this podcast is the fact that apart from my wife, okay, I think <laughs> if it was if it was from a from a tennis point of view in terms of past players, I I think I'd like to to go say with Ste- with someone like a Steffi Graf, okay. Reason being is just to see and get chat to about how she developed such a what seemed to be such a a calm mindset on court. Okay, where she must have felt pressure across the time because she was up there to be sort of shot at, so to speak, in terms of you know being number one in the world for like so long. So I think from a tennis yeah. point of view, someone like a Steffi Graf or maybe even a Roger Federer, who is equally as calm on court to to see that to see how they manage their emotions and their mindset. Outside of tennis, though, I think I'd have to go for Bruce Springsteen. Okay, he's a, I, you know I'm a big fan of Bruce Springsteen. That's you know that probably reflects my age a little bit. Okay, but I'd just love to know how you know through his roots and how he was brought up, how that's influenced his mood, and also what still drives him. He's 73 years old now. He still performs for four hours on stage and travels the world. Okay, I just love to know what it is that still drives him. I'm sure it is a love of music, but you know, at 73 years old, yeah. something like that's to be applauded. And it's, uh, I mean, I, I saw him for the first time on Independence Day in 1985. Okay, and I went to a concert a couple of years ago. Okay, there's a lot of years in between that, but there's still the same energy that's sitting there it's fantastic it's remarkable i love that the boss and you know it's one of those isn't it where they say like do whatever makes you happy and if you if 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 you love something if you love doing it it's going to make you happy and and i guess that that's the boss, isn't it? He, he to do what he do. I hadn't realised he was that old, to be fair. But yeah. for him to keep doing what he's doing, he's got to love it. And and to you know, I think that comes back to the tennis things where yeah. you know the the players who love tennis, who love playing tennis, they will get better. They will get better and better and better. And if they love doing it, if it's their decision, then they'll keep on with it. And I yeah. guess that's the love of the music for the boss. It's it's fascinating about Steffi Graf as well. I don't know so much about Steffi Graf's background. I do know, you know, a bit more about other tennis players who have become remarkably calm, you know, the likes of the likes of Borg or Federer. And I think that when they were younger, they weren't always like that. And I think, you know, there's there's a... I had the good fortune, Rob, of meeting Bjorn Borg about five years ago. His son, Leo, was playing in a 14-under tennis Euro event we were doing in Bolton. And he was, I mean, he was such a humble guy. But, I, you know, my understanding, like yours, is the fact that both, you know, he he was a player that wasn't necessarily the best behaved on a tennis court as a, as a, as a, as a youngster. But then what you saw of him as a professional tennis player, in the same way with Federer, is it was, it was impeccable. Yeah, and that and that's almost because of the fact that they've learned about themselves on that court as a junior. They've learned about themselves as a, as as a person, as a player. And I think that you kind of through tennis, you learn so much, and you know, you learn one of the things that 
you do learn is is how to control your emotions because you yeah. have to because it's such an emotional roller coaster but i think we've got to remember with some of our juniors sometimes they're very very young you're putting them into you know a pressure cooker environment in its own little way mm. and and at times they need to learn about the emotions but you see that the players or the people who come out the other end they do learn how to handle their emotions and i think it's always something worth remembering because you know if 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 you can learn on that tennis court, things don't go your way and you've responded badly or you've got emotional. But if you can learn to control it, then when you go into the workplace, whatever that workplace is, whether it's a Wimbledon final or whether it's a, a meeting about this, that or the other and something doesn't go your way, you can control it. So yeah. I think it's another kind of benefit of the journey and it wouldn't it be fascinating to hear what Steffi Graf had to say about that? Yes, no, absolutely. Okay, so yeah, no, I, I think so too. That'd be That would be great to hear something like that. Ah, come on well Richard two very interesting answers to finish with and uh, just thank you again for, um, for for telling us all about the LTA Junior Nationals all the very best with the event and uh, yeah hopefully more people will be tuning in as a, as a result of listening to your good self so thank you very much that's not a problem thanks Rob really enjoyed it that's all for today but thank you very much for listening and if you enjoyed that please do hit the subscribe or follow button so you keep up to date with new episodes. And we look forward to welcoming you back to my tennis journey very soon.